You are listening to the Feedback Podcast with my homie back. All right, we're back with the Feedback Podcast live at the Down Market House. We got Miko in Hello the house. world. Byron in the house. What up, what up? And I'm happy to welcome Denise Hernandez Hi. to our show today. Woo. I, I, I kind of I want to go through your all your titles, but it's it's a lot. I'd rather you do it. <laughs> There's a lot of bullet points. You do so much as, as an activist and as, as a community leader. Like, go ahead. Just introduce yourself to the world. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, like I said, my name is Denise Hernandez. I am a fifth generation San Antonio. So my family has been here for a very long time. Um, my activism began when I was in high school, really, or even in middle school. I, I didn't really care for George Bush, so that's when I was really um, kind of influenced by Rage Against Ooh, the Machine. How old are you, H or W? Uh, w. <laughs> yeah. You're trying to age her now? Yeah. <laughs> <That> was <laughs> it was W. It was W, yeah. But yeah, so I started there. Um, I went to college, and I uh, became more radicalized after college. It was the first time I experienced racism. Um, I grew up here, of course, so everybody looks like me, talks like me, sounds like me, or... There are other people of color, um, for the most part, where I would grew up. Uh, so yeah, uh, I went to college, and it was the first time it really radicalized me. So I came back. And there was racism in college. Was it A and M? Uh, no, right close. Uh, it was <laughs> Baylor. Baylor. <laughs> Shocking, oh. no one. Yeah. Um, oh, my brother told me, my brother went to Baylor. He told me the same thing. Like it's pretty. Yeah. It's, pretty it's very conservative. Yes. Yeah. Very. I don't know. Uh, I hope you had a good education out of it. Yeah, though. very good education, right, good. but <laughs> bad experience. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but then I came back to San Antonio, and I found an organization called Maestranza in 2016 um, that focuses on educating um, people like me that I grew up with who just didn't have the education of empowerment of knowing who we are, um, mm-hmm. not knowing our city, and not knowing what we've contributed, what we've contributed, contributed. Um, just things like that. Yeah, what we've gone through um, and what we still have to offer. And so I started that organization. I did a TEDx talk in 2016 about implicit biases. Um, I currently work for a councilman um, in District 1, Councilman Trevino. Okay. So we're in charge of all of downtown, a little bit of south, um, like kind of south town area a little bit. And this area doesn't north. cover your district, does it? No, this is District 5. So we're actually right okay. on the border, another street over, and then that's we get a little bit of the west side too. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then we go up a little north by the airport. Uh, so it's a pretty big district, a very diverse district, um, and so I'm using all my skills, um, just knowing my community, working with my community um, at this level at the city. Um, I've only been there about seven or eight months, but uh, I think we've done a lot of good work. This election, we were um, very clearly voted back in uh, with a wide margin, so we were about 69% of the vote, which is pretty good. That is pretty good. Yeah, so that's where I'm at now. Um, I'm still doing organizing work outside of that. Uh, I helped organize the Women's March here in, in San Antonio in January, um, and then we're working on another one for um, women's health care, just health care in general, right? So. So this all started from a personal experience, and you're like, that's it, I got to do something about it? Is that pretty much the, the Yeah, trigger? yeah, and I... Was there a particular s- experience? I mean, ever since I was little, I was someone, my teachers were like, put Denise with the kid who's being bullied, because she's the kind person who can be a bridge for other folks. So I've always been that kid, so I've always seen something that was unfair, and I was always been very vocal that it was wrong. Um, but it wasn't until college, yeah, I was um, nearly sexually assaulted, and... At the, Baylor. At mm. Baylor, hmm. Yeah, um, yeah and... Uh, it was what I understood just from being f- fearful. They mentioned my race. Um, again, I was very vocal in school still. Um, I was always talking against like people who were homophobic, people who were racist. Uh, and so I, I, I know this person knew me. I don't know who they were, but I know they knew me mm-hmm. and they targeted me. And so I felt you know, scared for the first time. And then I was angry. And then I, turned, I tried to turn that anger and that bitterness into something good. Productive. Yeah. Um, 
It took a long time for Way me to, to get there. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I, I've, I, it's, I mean, it's made me who I am now. So grateful in a way. Yeah. It's good. Uh, uh, the ability to speak out uh, at such a young age, that's something that we don't hear a lot of, especially with bullying and things going on. And right. how did you, you know, it, was there anything that in your home that gave you the courage to be vocal when you saw things that, you know, you thought weren't right to be able to speak out and not just be quiet and, you know, let things be as they are. Yeah. Honestly, no. My family is very chill. Like, I'm the only one that's really opinionated and emotional. You're that family member? I'm that family member, yeah. I'm the one that's like, oh, here we go. Don't bring up Thanksgiving during Thanksgiving. I'm like, we're not celebrating colonization, y'all. But my family loves me and they support me. Um, So I think that was the big part of it is I've always been myself. Uh And instead of my family saying, like, you need to calm down or you need to do this, they've always just said, do it, do it the right way, do it with kindness and love. Okay. Um, and so I, I'm very grateful. Like even my mom and my Easter basket, she gave me like poster boards and markers so I could make more protests. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so she, I've always been supported. Um, like I said, Rage Against the Machine, that band was the first mm. time when I was young and I was angry. Um, to hear about We're things happening in the angry. world. <laughs> yeah, right? And all young and angry. Yeah, yeah. And just like, it's right in the name. Like, yeah, you know, you yeah. Exactly. Just really spurred me to f- know things are wrong and know that I can do something about it. That was really big for me. Yeah. Wow. Man. So, um, I want to speak a little bit about that, that TED Talk that you did in mm-hmm. 2016 about, mm-hmm. you know, checking your bias. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you guys heard to I've seen it. Yeah. All right. So I think that, you know, we live in, a, in the, the sharing social media world, what has really become an integral part of our li- daily life, yeah. if not mm-hmm. minute life, yeah. life, right? Yeah. And so how do you see something that's as prevalent as social media play into your, acti- your activism? Like how you, use the, how you use that, to, you know, to... Um, uh, to put a message forward, like, hey, you know, right. you gotta, whether it's about bias, it's about what the the wrongs of the of the society and yeah. so on. Yeah. So my 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 real activism really started after um, Trayvon Martin was killed, and then uh, I was, you know, that kind of spurred me in. And then when I, uh, Mike Brown was killed in Ferguson, I watched that live. Like I watched the protests happen live. I watched the the tanks roll in live, uh-huh. and I remember watching it and being like, this is fucking America like this is my country like what the hell is going on and uh, I shared it on Facebook and I was like y'all this is happening right now like in somebody's neighborhood Mm -hmm. Um, and nobody was talking about it here nobody knew about it nobody was talking about it so the internet was the first place that I felt connected to people I would follow all the activists on the ground and like interact with them like hey how can we support you here Mm -hmm. Um, what do you need from us here and they're like just share it just share everything you can talk about it so I'd retweet them, retweet them, retweet them, do the hashtags. People talked a lot of shit about hashtag activism, which I get it, right? But at the same time, people wouldn't know anything about anything if it wasn't for social media and even using a hashtag to group all that stuff together. So for me, I'm a huge proponent. I've even done a class on how to use social media and organizing because it's super important um, for people who may not have access to go out in the street and yell. Maybe they're you know confined to their home, but they still want to help. That's still valid. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still needed. Um, and so it's, it's super important. I've, I, you know, with that TED Talk, I've reached people across the world, which I never thought would ever happen. But to even just have that conversation, you know, when I talk about, in the, in the TED Talk about biases, it's a cultural thing, right? A lot of what we inherit 
currently have is cultural or familial or, you know, different things. Mm. But a lot of that can be done with just having a conversation with someone. I think we don't do that as much. We get online and we, you know, you can have a conversation, but the context of how, my nuance of how I, how I talk to you, my tone, um, what my face looks like, that gets lost sometimes. Mm -hmm. But I think once we remember that and we can still have a conversation online and connect with somebody halfway across the world that may feel the same way we do. I have people, I had this woman the other day in, I think it was Austria, and she was like, uh, she follows my page, and she was like, how is America, like, what is going on over there? <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Right, yeah. What's wrong with you people? Like, right. Yeah, right yeah, and to offer that perspective, even in Austin a few years ago, I had some, uh, some friends that were assaulted by the police, and it was very, they, my friend recorded it, and it was very clear that they had targeted the people of color, because they let the white kids, like, just stand there while the black and brown kids were getting accosted by the police for jaywalking, even though 6th Street was shut off. So so I shared it with a lot of people. Um, it went viral, it went around the world. And I had someone, I think again, I don't remember, Denmark somewhere, and he was like, your streets are built to, for policing. Like th things we don't think about, like your streets aren't walkable because they want to infringe upon your rights in this way. And I had never thought of, it's like a completely different perspective and conversation. Um, and it's taken me out of my Americanness and my identity as an American. Um, and how do other people see me? And that was kind of what happened at Baylor for the first time for me. How are other people seeing me and how do I see myself? Um, and so it's always that for me. It's interesting, most people, they need to travel the world. I encourage people yeah. you know, within their means to travel around and right. get a different worldly perspective. Right. But you bring up a great point in that you can get some of that worldly perspective by connecting with other people throughout the world yeah. and get that same reflection and get that same experience. Yeah. Yeah. Social media does a lot of that. So you're an optimist when it comes to social media, like you, you look at, I'm not, that's why I'm saying that. Yeah, 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 no, absolutely. <laughs> no, no, but that's okay, that's okay. I mean, this is a good conversation. We've had this on the, on the show before. Mm -hmm. We talked about this uh, before, but you know, yes, it does allow you to connect with people all across, you know, uh, across the world about serious issues and everything. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that's the, what people use it for yeah. the most. Yeah, I agree. You know, and even and, and you're right when you say that yeah, people need to have conversation. That's that's been like one of the main, you know, ideas that people have been, you know, mentioning on TV and on radio, mm -hmm. podcasts. Um, and that conversation should not take place online. I, yeah. I, I don't think it should yeah. because like again, tone doesn't translate online. Mm -hmm. People live in that in their bubble right. and they post an article about what what agrees yeah what exactly. agrees with them yeah yeah so it's really that it's that tribal way of thinking yep. it, it doesn't help it doesn't yep. move yeah. doesn't move forward with it yeah yeah the internet allows you to jump into your own tribe yeah exactly yeah. it is yeah. a tribalization for sure it really yeah. is and I, and I think it's gotten i don't know if it's gotten worse now or it already existed for a long time but now it's like in your face and you see it everywhere uh, yeah i think it's That's, yes to both i think it's both yeah but i, just, I think it's definitely gotten worse because i'm a of democrat so blah blah blah, blah. you're yeah. a republican yeah, so you're wearing trump hat so yeah. blah blah blah, blah. and that's why I, inquire, I ask people to do like i follow a fox news page i listen to conservative sure. radio like sure. i try to understand like what are you thinking because i was very much when i was younger in activism like fuck y'all, fuck this, fuck that. And sometimes I still have those days. Mm -hmm. But I've come to a point where like we can't silo people. 
you know, right. this way. Right. I know I, I was in Miami a few uh, last year and I met this uh, Cuban dude and a lot of Cubans voted for Trump. And as we were understanding Latino politics, I was like, okay, why did Cubans vote for Trump? Like, I really want to know because it's very confusing to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he was very open about it. He said he didn't, but he had family members who did. Mm -hmm. um, and he was just like, you know, we feel this way after coming from Cuba and our history there. And we don't believe in, you know, socialism or X, Y, Z. And it was a very interesting conversation just to have that perspective. Um, but yeah, I try to, I try to have those conversations with people. It's it's sometimes very frustrating, of course. Uh, yeah. But it's. I think it's important to try it. You know, I. At the end of the day, all people want the same thing. We want to be safe. We want to be happy. We want to feel like we belong. Yeah. Um, you want to so, make it safe for our kids. Yeah. Take care of your kid. Take care of your family. Um, have something to eat. You know, and I think we need to get back to that idea, versus, you know. Do you um, organize? I don't know if. It's town halls or conversation like in-person conversation Can yeah you, you talk about that a little bit i've done that before i i did one last start of january so it was after the sutherland springs shooting that happened not too far from here um, about gun reform so that was my first big one uh the brick uh they gave me their space for free they were very generous about it so i had politicians there i had a state senators a congressman i had local people running for office judges and then i had groups like moms again or moms for common sense gun action um, so it was mostly just a conversation of like, what do we need and what do we want to protect everybody from the situation? I personally believe that people should have access to guns if they, they, they so choose, but it should be more responsibly handled. Like nobody needs an AK-47 in my opinion. Like I, mm -hmm, I, don't, yeah. I don't think you do. So, you know, it was just having that conversation and people ask questions and of course politicians were going for re-election. So they were like, well, this is my plan. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to hear more from people. That's always, I want to know what the community thinks. What do y'all need? What do, you, what do we need to do together to get us where we want to be, the future we want? Do you feel uh, that people so walked away from that, uh, that talk and be like, okay, nah, I get it? Or was it a shout match? Or how did they? Yeah, no, no, it was, it was really cool. Uh, there were a few people there that were kind of, not agitated, but they had differing opinions. And, and then we had, of course, like, it was like more, I guess, progressive folks that were, you know, yeah, we want gun, common sense gun control. Mm -hmm. And so there was some back and forth. And one guy got mad because he felt like he couldn't talk freely. And I said, sir, nobody's limiting you here, you know. So it was just kind of that thing. But, yeah, it was generally positive. Um, I posted different seminars with biases. I talked to, uh, like, chambers of commerce. I've talked to kids as young as six. Um, wow. Yeah, I've talked to professional people about their biases. Um, so I do different kind of teaching for folks depending on what they need and what they want. And I think they leave feeling more empowered, which is what I always want to do, is I want right. you to be empowered with the knowledge. Um, and then go and self-reflect further and find yourself more. And I think I, uh, I have a saying, like the first revolution is um, loving yourself. Very because true. Because I really, if we don't know and we don't love ourselves and everything that we are and we don't deal with shit, you know, um, how are we supposed to help anybody else? Mm -hmm. So... Is that where Maestranza came about? Yeah. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. Good transition. Yeah. Oh, look at that. I did a Miko. Ah, I did a Miko. Master host. <laughs> it usually does that. I was waiting for him to do it. Good job. <laughs> Maybe he let me. He beat you to it. He's like, all right, Becky, you can have this one. This I've been having a good conversation. I'm letting it flow. Yeah, go for yeah, it. Yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, so it's, 
Okay, if you want me to be completely honest, it was a petty move. Uh, this girl from high school tried to fight me about Freddie Gray in Baltimore, saying that these people were thugs. And I was like, this is one of the largest slave ports in the country. So these people have been sitting in this hotbed of oppression and violence. And it finally blew up because they broke this guy's spine in the middle of the street. So mm -hmm. you're coming in here and telling me that they're thugs. So this is this girl from high school that I'd known. And I told her off. And I was like, you know what? Fuck you. And fuck everyone who thinks like you. And I created the page because I was like, you know what? I had been wanting to, but I needed something. I needed a catalyst. And I know that's kind of people shouldn't act from a place of pettiness, but I did. What was but your it came out for good. At that point, what was your intent with the page? I didn't know. I, I know I wanted to because I had been sharing like my ideas and my thoughts and people were really responding to it and wanting to see what I had to say and share. And there was a great need in San Antonio for people to find where they could go to a protest or what group they could plug in with that aligned with, you know, uh, education reform or criminal justice reform. And I had those resources, but I didn't have a place to share them. Um, so I created the page to do that. So I post a lot of um, of like pictures, stories. I'll try to post as many, um, what is it, like events that are happening around organizing. Uh, I did a, when Trump was elected, I did a resource page. Um, so it's just a, like a two pager that anybody can print out and you can find out how to hit locally um, mm -hmm. to affect change. I, I believe change happens locally first. Um, so that's where I'm kind of starting. And I've kept it up um, as the years have gone by. I, I, I think I need to do more organizing with events like that. But my job now is so busy that I have kind with of... Council? Yeah, with the council <laughs> office. You've got a I strong day of, job. Yeah, that I got to... It's, it's kind of melding my, my things. But yeah, I'll get back there hopefully soon. I'll take a slight right turn. I'm just going to throw a couple topics out there. And something very specific. I know we... We, we broadcast internationally, though we have a strong <laughs> yes. showing here We're in the central in Texas Iceland. area. Of course. Um, there's a runoff election coming here in yep. San Antonio. Uh, it's happening for, soon. For, yeah. Maybe can you uh, speak a little bit about that and what's coming up and what what you've done involved in that? Not necessarily supporting a candidate or not, but you're welcome to, to say a piece about that. Yeah, but yeah. Just people's engagement and what's happening. Yeah, so uh, I'm a voter registrar. Uh, you get two year, you get a two-year term for to be a voter registrar. It's very easy. You take a one-hour class, and then you're a voter registrar. So I, I encourage everybody to do Online? it. Uh, no, you have to go in person. Yeah. Ah, oh, see? Oh. I gotta get out the house. They'll feed you. They'll give you drinks. I can no minister online, and I. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's true, though. That's true. What the hell? I can marry people. I can marry but people. I, but I, I get can't my degree. You can't make people vote. No. Maybe that's the problem. There the, should be the other it way around. It should because the state of Texas is, and there's a there's actually a law in the state legislature right now that's trying to strip more voting rights instead of giving us more, which that would be doing, making it more easy to Let me guess who's doing people. that. Guess who? <laughs> Old white men. Um, oh. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was like one asshole that everybody yeah. knew. But. No, it's a lot of assholes in the Texas state legislature. But yeah, so um, uh, I don't remember what the question was. Uh, so there's an election coming. <laughs> oh, the election. election yeah, so get you registered to vote. Um, if you aren't already, I think it's already closed for the this election, unfortunately. But most people are registered already. Um and then just go vote. We have an early voting period. I think it starts May 28th, and it'll run through May 4th, I believe. May? I have to double check those. Yeah. I'm sorry, June 4th. Oh. And then the election day is June 8th. Right. Um, so it's a very close race between our incumbent mayor, uh, Ron Nirenberg, and uh, current city, six, uh, city councilman, uh, Greg Brockhouse, in District 6. So it's a very interesting race because, it, for me, it mirrors stuff happening statewide and nationally. We mm -hmm. have 
a somewhat like centrist Democrat um, who sometimes votes liberally but doesn't really, I don't know, he's not as progressive as I would want. Um, and then we have his contender who has always tried to be not, if not the opposite of him, more so conservative. So in San Antonio, we don't have parties assigned to council. Mm -hmm. um, right. So it's just kind of more how you vote and what your values are. And you make that clear, you know, as your term. Um, so I think that's where the just position is coming. Uh, Greg Brockhouse has the support of the fire union and the police union. Um, I don't, uh, it's been messy. Uh, with them, but it's always messy in shows. Is when you gotta yeah, go it's police messy. Or yeah, or yeah. The police union, in my opinion, ugh, ugh. we we tried <laughs> fighting that contract a few years ago, and it's coming up again. So we'll be fighting that contract again. Um, but yeah, so it's hard for me to support one or the other. But I have to say, if we're gonna do another like lesser of two evils thing, it's sure. it's Ron for me. Um, I think he wants to do more. It, and it, I've seen just even being in council for this short of time, it's very hard for anyone to get anything really done in two years. Yes. You're barely learning how things work, right. uh, what committees you got to go to, what things you got to do. A lot of plans you enact um, are long term too. Yeah. And so, it, you know, it's hard for somebody to do anything in two years, I feel. So I think, in my opinion, we should give him another two years at this point to try and see what things he can really sink his teeth into. Um, and Greg Brockhouse just isn't a candidate for me. He's more conservative. Uh, when that whole Chick-fil-A shit happened, he was like, well, we need to, we need to uh, defend Christian rights. And I'm like, Christians aren't being prosecuted in this country. Like, they're, they're ruining shit for everyone else, in you my opinion. Christmas, Christmas. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, you. the Starbucks cup needs to be there. Like, bullshit, dude. And I consider myself a Christian. So, like, let's get it all the way together, man. This wasn't Jesus. Figure it out. <laughs> um, yeah. A little context for those uh, not viewing us out of San Antonio. Oh, there yeah. was a... Their Chick-fil-A wanted to be in the airport, and I think the city council voted them out or something like that nature. Yeah, so they wanted to be... Uh, we're having new concessions in the airport. The airport is funded by city dollars. Uh, so it's actually my councilman who said, I don't think we should have Chick-fil-A in the airport based on their uh, donations to anti-LGBTQ organizations. So in 2015, I think, or yeah, 2015, Chick-fil-A said, we're not going to be... There was outlash, like huge backlash yeah. on that. And uh, they said, we're not going to be donating any more money. And then their tax returns came out for 2017, and it showed that they were still getting money. They were money. doing it. People yeah. still going. What's yeah. that owner? That owner is the main one. Yeah, yeah. he's that. fighting against marriage equality. He's fought against marriage equality. And the big one for me. He already lost. Um, yeah, right. Was that he, uh, they were funding conversion therapy <laughs> for gay kids, which is really violent. Oh. So we just didn't believe that our money, our city money, should be going to oppressing people further. Um, so, yeah, it was a big thing for no reason. Um in the grand scale of things, uh, we had people fighting for paid sick time, which is a huge deal, and nobody cared about that. They cared about Chick-fil-A. Can we get Chick-fil-A? Yeah. Can we get these so, chicken nuggets at the yeah, airport? Yeah, it's just it's stupid. Yeah. So maybe it's not the politician, it's the people who put them up there. I mean, ultimately, it was the people are often to blame because they do vote them in. Yeah. But yeah, as so, you said earlier, it's also the lesser two evils. You only have certain choices. Yeah. That's true. Uh, Sometimes you got to run for yourself. You do. A lot of, I think a lot of young people, we, I had this conversation with my friend yesterday, like, we can either support people or we can be those people and just right. fuck shit up, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if there's something out there that relates yeah. a little bit to what we talk about here, the feedback. And a lot of times that has to do with social life, nightlife, and what people do outside of just a normal work thing. And part right. of that is being involved and engaged in politics. Right. Another is just going out and going things like we had 
Coffee Shinado on here earlier talking about coffee and going out. You know, yeah. we've talked to bars and restaurants with the down market and the feedback. Um, I'm curious about what your perspective here in San Antonio is about the different districts coming up, like Southtown and some other ones you mentioned, mm -hmm. and something every city is facing, gentrification. gentrification. <sighs> and yeah. how's that, what's your perspective on that? How's that happening in San Antonio? And is the city doing anything about it, particularly with the elections coming up? Is anybody talking about that? Yes, that's a huge issue for us. Uh, for me, uh, when we look at racism and classism on a deeper level, it always comes back to basics like housing, right? So I've been following folks, like I have friends in the Bay Area and New York, where I think it really, for me, from my understanding, it started in New York first, this gentrification, this hyper um, displacement of people, yes, in Brooklyn. And then you see it again in the Bay Area with these tech companies, and now people can't even afford homes they lived in their whole lives. Mm -hmm. um, it happened in Austin, where they completely displaced all the black folks from the east side, right? right. So we're seeing all this. Um, and I, the last few years, I felt like, if you ever see a movie and like a scientist is like, this shit's coming, and everybody's like, you're crazy, shut up. But he's right. I feel like a lot of people, including myself, have been saying that about gentrification here in San Antonio. Um, and even you know scholars way before me who have known about it for a long time. Um, San Antonio is a place that I don't think people, many people understand that this land is Mexican, it's indigenous land. Um, it was indigenous and then it was Mexican um, and then it was colonized. Uh, and it keeps going through these waves of colonization mm -hmm. where poor people, black and brown people have been subjugated um, and then our culture is used to make money for these white people. Um, our whole economy basically is based on tourism. Mm -hmm. um, and who gets those low-paying jobs? Like, who funds this tourism industry so that we get all this shit, right? So there's a lot there. Um, Ten years ago, we've been doing, like, the decade of downtown where they wanted to revitalize downtown to make it a place to, for people to live. And the conversation I've had with, like, urban planning people is there's a thing called sprawl where mm -hmm. people just keep moving further out and it's expensive um, to build new infrastructure, to build new, like to send police out there, firefighters, like it's expensive to have sprawl. So their idea was to keep money in the center city where there's already infrastructure, there's already buildings, you just need to rehab it and keep, keep everything center. So that was the thought I've heard. Um, in that process though, we've lost a lot of housing stock um, for people who live downtown. Um, there has been displacement and it worries me. Um, and it depends who you ask and how you have the conversation about it. Some people say it's a good thing that we're doing this, but at whose expense, right? Like my family who's been here for generations, like there's hundreds, thousands of families in San Antonio who have been here. Um, there's a saying like the border crossed us, right? So there's a lot of people living here still like that with their family roots here. Um, is there a way to do it right? I mean, that's one thing I always say about I mean, gentrification. I mean, it's, it's almost yeah. got to Is there a way you can guide the river to do it? Yeah, my, 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 my big thing is I hate... I understand things need to develop. Like, I understand things need to move forward. But I think there's a, a difference when people come in and say, we know it's best for you, take it. Or I remember I got told I wrote something about gentrification at this music festival that was coming, and somebody told me, you should be thankful for what we give you. Like, we should, you should be thankful that we do this for you. You think we're even having a music festival? Right, I was like, what? Like, you should be thankful that we even allow you in our fucking city. Right. Like, who do you think, like, you are telling me what you can do with my, my community and my space and my culture? Um, so that's what pisses me off. I think when people genuinely go in with the intention of, like, hey, we're here to work with you, like, and you are the voice, and you are people of the community, 
what do you need and want and see and how can we help you build that, mm -hmm. I think that's the better way to do it. Versus people who come in and say, look, this worked here when it really didn't work. It just displaced people and gave them... It worked for somebody. Damn. Coffee shop that <laughs> yeah. they wanted or needed. They needed, they needed healthy food. They needed uh, like access to healthcare. They didn't need a new you know, coffee shop or whatever the hell. So that's what's frustrating for me. Um, I always have to say, Houston, just to interject you, yeah. did, did decent, I think I may have said this on the podcast before, check these episodes. I think Houston did it pretty well in the sense that um, Third Ward was a historically black district in Houston, and a lot of them are wealthy black people. Mm -hmm. And so when the gentrification started rolling in and a coffee shop opened up, they bought yeah. Oh. So they own the coffee shop. That's they own cool. the restaurants that are coming in and gentrifying. But they were the community they, were, they had the money. They had the money to back it up. If you really want to look at a good model, uh, rest in peace, Nips and Hustle. Like that man understood how to get community totally power. Agree. Yeah, it's just putting your power, collecting your powers in the community and making that something that's still yours and still helping people. I mean, at a state, it is really fucking deep. And it's property taxes. Yeah. I see this every day in District 1 where we're in the neighborhoods surrounding downtown. These are the, the oldest neighborhoods in the city. Mm -hmm. um, they're old people who don't have money to fix their homes. So they just sell them for you know, pennies to the dollar. Somebody, money buys them, demolishes the house, and builds, rezones it, builds a condo. And that's how it happens. It's just people not having the power to keep their home, stay in their home, you know, keep it livable. Uh, there's a lot of ways we can tackle it. It's like property taxes, it's land values, it's, I mean, there's many heads to the beast, but for me, the main thing is the community needs to be communicated with, they need to be involved. If they're telling you something is not good for them, listen to them, because they know it. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, instead of saying, no, we know it's best for you, which is what yeah, happens. Well We'll, we'll bring a coffee shop and you'll go to it. I know we'll be out of here. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. And they never needed that. They Austin is going to the same. I mean, yeah. the east side is like all every the city. way. Yeah, every city. Yeah. They need a better You see a shitty house, nice condo, shitty house. Yeah. <laughs> shitty house, nice yeah. condo, and then some kind yeah. of like gas station with no gas. Just yeah. a shop. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, we had a friend that lived for a couple years in a place that they're like, hey, we're going to demolish it soon. You can live here until we do. Yeah. And then we're putting up a condo. Right. That's no, no, story, the story uh, was it Sam's Barbecue? Oh, yeah. So there's a, there's a uh, barbecue joint in Austin on 12, East, East on 12th Street. Okay. Barbecue joint's been there for uh, forever. Like, Ten years. Something like that, right? Yeah. And then they, some developers came in and said, hey, we can buy this for like two million. He said, no, three million, no, five million. He said, no. Wow. I think it's still, it's still refusing it. Though. He's still refusing it. He says he wants some ridiculous number where him and his family for generations don't have to worry about it. Yeah, there you go. He's just holding on to it. Yeah. And it's just, you know, one joint shop, one with your joint. I read a story too in Austin on Rainy Street. There's a man that lives in a house there, because um, it used to be a Mexican area, that, you know, everybody sold their houses, but he's holding out. He's like, this is my land, this is my family's land. Like, I'm not selling, but he's the last one, and he's old, and he's sick. So really? the sick thing is, like, they're waiting for him to die. Yeah, probably. And keep it. Yeah, Rainy is crazy. Yeah, $1.5 million condos down the street. Actually, the Mexican Cultural Center is right down the street. Yeah, I mean, yeah. On Rainy, yeah. yeah. That should be above in the area of the city. Yeah. And I saw it happen here. I mean, you mentioned nightlife. So, strangely, a lot of, before I was really doing activism, I was partying. And a lot of people were like, I don't need to I was partying. And I met a lot of people. I started, I started with uh, my boyfriend at the time, was a graffiti artist. 
So I'm gonna hang out with him and get to know people in the city, like doing art, like struggling, like they grew up here in the neighborhood. Like we were all the same kind of people, just wanting to do good things and be creative. Um, and then it spread out. I met other people. I met business owners. I met, you know, um, you know, the, the St. Mary's Strip here. It was nothing when we were coming. Uh, it was like two bars. My friend opened High Tones, and it was like the only bar. And I was like, this is so dope because Danny, the owner grew up the way I did, like we had the same cultural ideas, the same aesthetics, so it was like, I was stepping into my grandma's house again, but I was in a bar, and the music was what I wanted. That, exactly that culture, he made it into something that people like us can enjoy, and now, I believe, I mean, people can have their opinions, but I believe that bar, we started the revolution for St. Mary's. St. Mary's wouldn't be shit if High Tones didn't open, in my opinion. Um, because that's where we were going. Like, when we were going, nobody was there. It was just our friends, like, drinking, having a good time, doing good music, musicians. Rock. How's somebody kept that place alive? Yeah, and we kept it alive. <laughs> and then they opened more bars with the money they made from there, and completely changed the whole strip. And now I go down and I'm like, where am I? Like, who are these people? Because when we go out, it's just us. I just want to see white people. Having a good time. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, there's a role to understand that. Like, but he's making his money, and he did it, you know? To give something back at the same time, and I, I think that's okay. I think that's needed. Um, right. So somebody else is gonna take it from us, right? And right. I'm gonna roll in a yeah. Go ahead. A wrap, a wrap things up a little bit before. So we're gonna get to a word association game like we did before. Another one. But even before we get there, really quick, I'm adding another little game as well. Maybe what's the first rally, protest, activism, anything that you're at? What was it? What you do? Maybe like a minute description for everyone across the table. I know we've all been in something or been somewhere that's happening. I know it all. I saw an impressive girl. Go. <laughs> this is good. No, no, wait. Don't, what are you coughing at? No. Uh, anyway, no. I don't know if it's you feeling guilty. I think it, it, you know what? I forgot what it was for. It was at the Capitol. Oh, I think it was for the environment. I think it was for the environment. That's all I remember. That's all, it was a while back. Honestly, it was a while back. You're you're there. You you weren't there for activism. You were there for her. I was there for her, and I supported afterwards. <laughs> I donated and everything. You wanted your environment to change with her. I, I would have donated anyway. Yes, that too. That's um, um, I'll go next, and Byron's might be pretty similar to mine. Because I know he was there with me. No, mine was at UT during um, the Hopwood versus UT when uh, affirmative action was getting. I just got taken away. Me and Byron were some of the first freshmen at UT to get there. Right? Freshmen. And there was all kinds of protests and activism happening. And so we marched on the tower of the organizations. There was a whole sit-in. We weren't inside, we were outside. But it was like a party. Yeah. <laughs> this is cool. This is fun. Yeah, it was being away from home and being fresh in college and like just being caught up in, you know, that the energy, energy, moment. energy of the moment. Yeah. Feeling like you were a part of something bigger than right. you were. It felt good. Yeah. And yeah, that was my first like involvement. Um, previous to that, um, with the home high school here. Mm -hmm. uh, Shout out. I, I knew you looked familiar. You went to Harvest? Yeah. Okay, I did too. Okay. okay yeah. uh, there was a, a point where um, we weren't going to be allowed to wear shorts anymore. Yeah. And students were like, you know, we're going to walk out at this time and this place. Like, okay, the students are <laughs> being crummy, being active. Um, but I was like, don't think do. We played football at the time, and coaches like, you know, 